0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Learning with Vista Studios. This is our opportunity to be curious about people that are doing things that are intriguing and that inspire us and we feel that we can learn from and my guest today is Amanda. We've been acquaintances for some time now actually. Um, You first came onto the radar out of nowhere and joined our human-centered design cohort and then yeah. embraced that, came back for some coaching, been yeah. doing some great things. Welcome to our podcast, Learning with Belvista Vista Studios. How does it feel to be here? From They're learner lucky. to now expert on whatever you're going to provide value on oh, in no. this episode. Oh,
1: no. I wish I could say expert. That would make me feel better that would help my imposter syndrome at work, but I don't I don't know if it's uh, quite there yet, but no, 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 it's good. It's good to be here. That's
0: Cool. Well, one thing like I do want to recognize you for is your curiosity for learning. And I feel that you really truly do embrace that. Like you always had good questions. You were always thinking about, okay, well then how does that apply for what I'm doing? And you do put yourself into courses a bit. You get coaching, mm-hmm. all of that. So you're continue. You're a sponge, and I think yeah. not everyone does that. So I just want to recognise you for that because even like working with you, I do see that growth. And like every, actually, that's what I love as well. Is every time I'm like this, this, and you're like, okay, I got my homework. And then you come back and you're like, yeah, I did that and more. And here's how it ended up. And this is how I managed it. So what's really cool is that you're executing on it. And you're kind of taking it further than I could have imagined for yourself because of your curiosity for learning. I feel that that is your accelerator for like more application of your learning.
1: I mean, I, I, my original career or my first chosen career, was in education, Mm. right? So I was like a teacher. And I think Part of being a teacher, like you, obviously you want to teach because you like learning, right? Like you want to share what you're excited about. So, you know, a lot of times when you meet teachers, like they get inspired. I shouldn't say every teacher, but most teachers I've met have been inspired to teach because they like learning, right? They, they like that and they like sharing kind of that passion or joy for it. Um, And for anybody who knows the teaching situation in the U.S., it's not the best. Um, And so quite some time ago, I switched from teaching into tech, right? But one of the things I like about technology is that, like, in order to stay on top of it, you have to continuously learn. You you can't, like, just learn one coding language or learn one thing about software it's going to change in six months, eight months, you know, like you have to continuously keep up with it. And so it's really fun for me because like, I have to constantly push myself to learn and do things. And because that's a passion of mine, it, it ends up being something like I just do it because I, I would do it anyways. I I'd do it about anything. Mm-hmm. Weightlifting. I, I, was, yeah, I, I was it gonna say too. It-
0: like, yeah, in any aspect of your life, do you like learning?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. so so i I have like
1: many little buckets of things that I kind of jump between, but I go back to kind of like the same buckets if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like cooking is a passion of mine. And so maybe for like a couple months, I'm really into cooking and I'm learning all about it and then like exercising and, and stuff. And so then I get really into like, like right now I'm really into weightlifting again. And so like heavy lifts and all of this stuff, and I'll watch videos about it and try to fix my form and do things like that. And then, you know, my career stuff is kind of a little separate and, and I'll always pick like something new for that. Right. Like right now I'm trying to get better at analytics. And so like, that's all the stuff I'm really delving into before. And when I was, uh, when I reached out to you guys, it was really, again, around like, kind of that instructional design, but then also like, how can I pivot that into user research? How can I pivot that into product management? Like, you know, for both of those human-centered design is, is like pivotal, right? So I have that same passion and it just kind of flows from one thing to the other. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I think one thing like learning is really cool, but I think there's like a difference between almost like learning in private is how I want to describe it, where like learning on YouTube and reading books and things like that. But then what I feel like you're really good at is just identifying that's going to be my maximum way to learn and expose Mm -hmm. myself to deep learning. And a lot of that does fall through where you're really putting yourself out there to be the complete beginner. Um, And I'm not saying you came to us like that, but even like you sign up for coaching and a lot of people can feel very vulnerable doing that. You're Mm -hmm. really exposing yourself because you don't know what's going to come up and how you can be perceived. And there's all that self-judgment. And with the coaching, you are exposing yourself, but you really embrace it. And yeah. I'd just love to hear why and how that's benefited for you, because I feel like that could be a release for people to reach their goals the same yeah. way you are. Yeah, I I think for
1: me, it really shifted when I started getting into martial arts, which sounds weird, but like um, so I started doing like Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and like In those situations, I'm what I call a learned athlete. I'm not naturally coordinated. It's It's something I had to work at continuously. And in those activities, like coordination is key. And I was horrible at it, horrible. But the environments I was in, the people I had were so encouraging to that, especially because, you know, when you start something like that, you're, you're going to be, you're going to suck. You just are like nobody. If you naturally know how to throw a punch, if you naturally know how to do jujitsu, I congrats to you, but that wasn't me. And they really encouraged me to embrace being horrible at it. Right. They were like, don't expect to be good for a whole year. Don't expect that at all. Just all you need to do is show up, whether it, good it's bad it's horrible like it doesn't matter just show up and every time you show up maybe you get one thing right and then you can pat yourself on the back and and come back the next time and show up and Mm. show up and show up and so it was kind of like that process of like being really really horrible that like helped me be like oh nobody cares (laughs) like like I'm really bad at this and nobody cares and like People like celebrate you being bad because it means like you're trying, you know, so it's like they get excited about that. And, and that kind of helped to shift it for me in terms of other things, because being bad at something in your career is really vulnerable, right? Like, like you never want to go to work and be like, I don't know how to do this. I'm really horrible at it. Right. Like I'm so bad at this, but it through that process i was able to then like approach people at jobs or approach people that i felt were more experienced than me and really kind of be like i want to know how to do what you do right like i want to know and for me coaching is a way to kind of embrace that in a safer space than my work right cuz i can go to a coach and be like i have no idea how to do a pnl i have no idea I don't know what to do, but I need to do it for work. So I'm going to ask you all my questions. So when I go to work, I'm going to feel a little more confident stepping into that room. But um, yeah, as random as it was, martial arts helped me get over my fear of being, at at sucking in public, I should
0: say, my fear of being Mm -hmm. horrible in public, right? Um, And that was really helpful. That's really cool. I can relate to that with skateboarding
1: because you kind
0: of like you don't want to go to the skate park and everyone else looks like on first perceptions that they know what they're doing and you rock up and you're like I can barely like stand on this thing and you feel all like insecure and all that kind of stuff but what for me I was if you sit there for a while you actually see that every single person is at a different level. And even if they've been skating for 10 years, when they're learning a new trick, they are a complete beginner again. And they are like the four-year-old or they're like the very experienced person and noticing that everyone is there. And then again, kind of related to like what your um, martial arts teachers were doing was encouraging that keep trying. we celebrate yeah. you for trying. So someone will be there over and over and not land a trick for hours. but it's like, yes, you're trying and I recognize that determination and then it does create that safer space. And then you also think like, yeah, like they wear me once. yeah, you know and and sometimes they'll come over and say, you know like I've been they'll say I've been skating for 10 years or something you know so that's why I can do what I'm doing yeah and when they say you just started oh cool and now people listening to the podcast are like Kim you've been banging on for skateboarding about for a year now you should be better than this beginner thing you talk of but um but it, yeah, it doesn't
1: ever go away right like in some part like even after doing something for like 10 years you know at, there's sometimes you still feel like a
0: beginner right like you're just like ah, I don't know like even I'm just thinking now like we've been writing and typing for like since school there's still words that I'm like oh my god how do I spell that again or that word looks yeah. weird is that actually how yeah. you spell it you know but that's something that we should be innately expert at but also beginner And I that's okay
1: still don't know how to spell the word thorough correctly oh. <laughs> Like it takes me a moment every single time. I'm like, there's too many O's and U's in this. <laughs> like it's just that one. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do you, if I can ask you a question? Like, yeah. do you remember kind of like? Because I feel when I talk to younger, and maybe it's just a natural growing phase, right? But oh. when I talk to people who are younger than me, there's always like that fear of perception of like what people perceive you as, it, it, like your public image, right? And everybody's worried about their image and, oh, it's mm. going to be so embarrassing. And I, like when I hit my like 30s, especially when I was high, like 33, I was like, mm, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm not going to wear makeup. I'm not going to put on real clothes. I'm just going to, mm. I don't care what people think about me, right? I, like, and I think when you've you done you your 10,000
0: hours of being you,
1: right? you know, <laughs> You're and when you when you kind of get to this point where you stop caring so much about like the perception, like even at work, like I care about being professional, I care about being a good coworker, but at the same time, like if somebody doesn't like me, uh, like I'm not rude to you, I'm not mean, like I try to be a, a pretty pleasant person to work with and if you just don't like me, like it's not, you know, and or if I'm trying something new and like people have like an idea about it, I'm just like ah, oh, like I'll I'll tell people, hey, this is the first time I'm doing this, and so you know, like if, I, if if you have any feedback for me, let me know. I want to improve. Um, but do you remember for yourself? Was there a moment when you realized like, oh, I don't care if people know this is the first time I'm doing it. Like I don't care if people. Recognize that I'm trying something new, like, or is that something you're still
0: developing? Um, I think I have it. I'm trying to think what was the epiphany moment for me. It wasn't that long ago, I wouldn't say. Oh, different aspects of my life, I'd say it's introduced itself at different times. You know, now I don't care if I'm, or like maybe 10 years ago, it was like, I don't give a shit if I'm not the best at sport anymore, you know. Because I started uh, didn't care about that anymore, I think some of the things though that helped me kind of knock that out of my system on more of the values driven things or the things that were really hard for me to step in and own, where number one, I want it's very important to be me to be my authentic self, so mm. what that looked like same was when i if i wore makeup if i did my hair i felt like i wasn't embracing the body and the um the skin and the hair that i was born with and when i mm-hmm. think there's other people that are do not have that privilege to even be in a position to do that then mm-hmm. i'm like kim you got to knock that out like yeah from the, i'm in a of pr- position of privilege so therefore i embraced it and i also remember having this epiphany actually I was on a bus to Vegas this was over 10 years ago but I remember just thinking half of the world's population at a minimum do not cover their face and are not afraid of wearing makeup and Mm -hmm. then all of the other people outside of the society that I'm part of don't so therefore I was like you should just stand up and have your face showing the way it is. Um, So I really stepped into that, but it was motivated by if those people can do it, then you can too, especially when you've got everything going for you. And when I say everything going for you, I I say it as like, I have my eyes, I can see, I have all Mm -hmm. limbs intact. That sort of perspective helps me. And then another sort of kind of epiphany moment for me was there's 7 billion, plus people in the world and we can all um look at someone wearing a white t-shirt and jeans and go love that style hate that style love it on them not for me so when there's that much judgment on something so simple what Mm. actually matters because everyone has a different taste otherwise we'd all fall in love with the same person We'd all love the same burger flavor. We'd all love sweet potato fries and not potato fries or something like that. So when I was like, oh, it's like a, an inside taste or flavor mm. or attractive or appeal meter um, or gauge, that, w- that was just like, oh my God, you're never going to satisfy anything. So what does it matter yeah. anyway? Okay, I'm so liberated. <laughs> they were my things. <laughs> yeah. And I think. When people start to have
1: those liberation, like that that type of epiphany, it's easier to translate it into other areas, right? Like you said, yes,
0: it's it happening
1: in one spot and then eventually, um, you know, it, it happened in more areas. And and I think Love like that. for me, it was sport as well, right? Like it was hmm. martial arts and then it, it blossomed into other things. And yeah, and then I- Do you think it's an age thing? Attention.
0: Cause I feel like I'm meeting more people in their thirties that are just being more free. Uh, yeah. You know, do you think it's an age thing from your, I
1: don't, I don't know if it's an, just an age thing or if it's like a get rid of social media thing, you know, like okay. not get, not get rid of it, but like the more people I talk to that kind of are like social media has its purpose, but it's not my life right? Like, they're not living through social media. Like, I feel like they're kind of on that edge. Um, And that could also just be, again, in the society I live in, in the United States, right? Like, that kind of wax and waning of, like, influencers are super popular, and everything influencers do are fake, and, well, you know, and so you have this now kind of culture in between it that's, like, we recognize Mm. that social media is helpful for work and for business and for all of this, but it's not helpful for other areas of of my life. And I think they start to look for those human connections again, right? Like versus just Mm. everything digital. So granted this is digital, but yeah,
0: no, that's interesting. I think what it kind of summarizes for me from what we're both saying is, are you living for someone else? or Are you living for yourself? And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you could probably say, I'm living for myself now. And the martial Mm -hmm. arts experience was kind of your way of getting that. And for me, it was like, well, living for myself looks like being authentic in all situations. So, yeah, that makes it easier. And when you're in the workplace and you're like, I want to learn how to do a profit and loss, like, and I have no idea. But, yeah, that gives you that permission to say, well, I want to learn. I want to be better. Like, Mm -hmm. help me okay, cool. Now I'm contributing back and I'm experimenting and I'm trying this profit and loss. Yeah.
1: I also feel like if I tell people I'm new or learning something, it doesn't necessarily negate that I have skills in other areas, right? Like you hired me for my skills in this area, but now you're asking me to do this. So I'm going to tell you, I don't really know how to do this, but it doesn't mean I won't figure it out, right? I'm not, I'm not, denying like I'm not, I'm going to still deliver this with quality it just might take me a bit longer and I might ask you a few questions right you know so because when I was teaching if people are asking me questions it doesn't bother me like ask me all the questions you want I want you to mm. do this so I usually like to tell people I've never done this before or I like to come with like okay you wanted me to do this this is what I looked up can you walk me through this and make sure I'm understanding it correctly because I feel like if you go to somebody with like I tried this can you tell me if it's right they're Mm. a lot more appreciative than if you're like I
0: I have no idea I don't know what to do what do I yeah well that's that's cool okay so in teaching life and like as you're kind of being that learner in the workplace how can someone when someone is learning and experimenting, trying for the first time, asking for help, how can, they, how can the other person make them feel safe to be a beginner?
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's the hard part, right? And that's why I've
1: gravitated towards finding coaches or finding mentors or finding people who have that mindset, right? Like if you find a coach or a mentor, they know you're coming to them because you wanna learn something. Something that they're better at, right? Like I go to people, I'm like, you're better at this than I am. I like how you do it. I wanna learn from you because, you know, like I like your style, I like your attitude. I like how you do this. And I think it could be a good relationship, right? If you're going to somebody and they're like dismissive or rude or they talk down to you, you're never gonna wanna be vulnerable enough to tell them you're bad at something. So I think that's where coaching really comes in because you can find the people that will take the time to say, Hey, I was in this position and this is how I, how I improve. Let's find what works for you. Right. Like, or Mm. I'm more than happy to answer all of your questions. Right. Like there's no truly like there are stupid questions, but if you're asking it about something you're learning, it's not a stupid question, you know, like, so, so ask your questions. Right. Um, I I think you have to find that right person and it might not always be the person at work, right? So you might need to definitely find a coach or go somewhere else. Um, not necessarily always Reddit or, or social media. Like you might actually have to invest in that person um, mm-hmm. to get where you want to be.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what are some things you've learned from coaches that you're like, Shit, yeah, and now I'm a boss because uh, of learning that thing from it,,
1: uh, I think it's it's something you kind of know, right? that people like to help people. Mm. But like, from coaching, it's so true. Like people really like to help people. Like you can find people who really want to help you, you know, like, my relationship with you when I come to you with stuff like you absolutely I feel that you want to help me right it's mm-hmm. not like you're just sitting there and you're like oh you can gonna ask questions right and like I've had mentors in the past like one of my mentors um, her name is Josie or her name is still Josie um, and she was a <laughs> person yeah. She's a software engineer. And I went to her trying to figure out if I wanted to go into software engineering more deeply, or like if I wanted to pivot into where I am now product management. And like, I was with her for a whole year and like, you know, ended up quitting my job, found a new job, did all of these things. And like, there was a huge amount of growth and she generally wanted to help me. And like, even now I still talk to her and like, she still like wants to help me. Like, it's amazing. Like, she'll be like, oh, I thought of you about this. Let me throw you this connection or do that. Right. Love it. Yeah. So I think, I think what I find is a lot of people think their, um, career is like, especially if you're talking about career or improving something that's like professional, um, people think they have to do it alone. Well, right. Like, it's very rare for, or maybe not as rare now for people to be like, oh, I I'm getting a coach right outside of maybe like job interviews. Like that's like the one Mm. thing people want to practice with somebody else. But what about like your presentation skills, your writing skills, you know, any other thing, relationship skills, how to talk to stakeholders, like, especially like how to figure out how to design something for another person, which is what you do in product management is you have to learn how to talk to your user, understand your user, ask them the right questions to get to their actual problems. And then, you know, how do you figure out a solution that's not what you think is best, but actually what's going to be best for them in their situation. And that's not something that people innately know how to do right that's where i saw all your videos and i was like oh i like how you do this i want to come hang out around you so i can learn how you do this right mm. and it's i'm losing my train of thought here but helping people, keep going keep a lot of you're adding people. value yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah that was it it was like what are the tips that you've got that you've taken yeah. from these people that are so willing to help you that now you're a bowler because you're applying it to your, your career or your life?
2: Uh, I think. The the biggest thing is just,
1: you're going to fail a lot, (laughs) a lot. Um, And to not let it get you down. Like that's the biggest thing I learned from, I would say, Josie. Um, It's just like, every time she's like, everything you do is a learning opportunity. Whether it goes well or it doesn't, you're gonna learn something from it. And I know you've said this in the past as well, but really with her, like every single time, because trying to change your career or applying for jobs or any of that, and and also being a woman in tech, right? Things go wrong all the time. all the time right like your job interview doesn't go well you know you get denied because you're a girl and it's a man's club and you know like there's um people have preconnotations about you being a woman in tech and hopefully those are changing but you get really discouraged, right? Like I've done interviews. I I had an interview with Amazon once and I was really, really excited for it. And then there was this one interview where I knew I bombed. I just knew it. And I was just like so upset. And I I wrote her to say that. And she was like, hey, you just learned something really important about like this situation. And I was like, I did? What did I learn? (laughs) Well, you tell me. And I was like, I uh, I guess what I learned is that you know in this situation I need to prepare more I need to be more relaxed right and she's like look like you're figuring it out right so even though maybe emotionally or personally you're you had some feelings about this situation whether you get the position or not you're walking away with something um, mm. and that was something you know like so even yesterday we were in a budget meeting and I didn't do very well because I couldn't answer all of these questions. But when I sat down and kind of tried to reflect and process on it, it was like, oh, I didn't do well because I didn't know X, Y, and Z information. Mm. And should I be expected to know this information or was it new information? Okay. It was a little bit of both. So what did I learn from this? One, I need to better prepare, right? And there were multiple opportunities that I could have asked my manager or I could have asked this person or that person and I didn't, right? So one, I could have better prepared and two, I could have spoken up and said, hey, I'm more than happy to get this information. I'm more than happy to learn this information. I just need more time, right? Rather than kind Mm -hmm. of freezing and feeling like I was being like put into a situation. I had the ability to take control of it. And then today, during a budget planning meeting, when a question came up, instead of feeling quiet, I was just like, oh, you know, I have that. It's in this other document. I can get that for you now, if you wanna give me a few minutes or I can give it to you at another time. And small story short, I didn't actually have it in another document, but I knew they would say they wanted it later and they did. And then after the meeting- I I love it. (laughs) but I felt more prepared. That could have backfired on me horribly, but it didn't. So.
0: <laughs> that's amazing self awareness and kind of little like accountability questions for yourself. Like, so just encourage the people to list them back to that so they don't beat themselves up when something go- doesn't go their way. And yeah, that's really freaking cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. It's really not easy. Like if you do anything around um like cognitive behavioral therapy or or um you know like some of the techniques to get away from negative thinking, like that's one of those mm. things is if, if you notice yourself going down that path, like write it down and like check if it's true, right? You know, so you're like, oh, I'm a horrible person. And you're like, is that true? <laughs> is that really true? Are you a horrible <laughs> person? What? And you've said this to me before, like what facts do you have to support that statement, right? Like even for instructional design, what facts do you have to support that statement? I don't have any facts. It's just me. Okay, so you're not a horrible person. You're just mm. unprepared or you're upset or something happened. And and trying to remove, like, I don't know the word off the top of my head, but like your your self-worth in in like not doing something well, um, trying to remove that from like, that was the situation that's not me as a person. It's
0: you know, mm. really hard.
1: I still don't do it all the time, but.
0: Yeah, it is hard, but like, and I think what happens is you get awareness of a tool, then you, it's the awareness, oh shit, I need to use that tool. Maybe two months later, when you've been freaking complaining about it for two months, and then you're like, "Oh, maybe I should try that fact checking tool, but over time, the more you remember to do that, the shorter the period comes, and then it's only one week of beating yourself up, and then it's one day and then it's one hour and then it's one minute and then it's one second. that does take years to get there sometimes if you're a slow learner like me or yeah. something, but yeah, it, it's worth it but that goes back
1: to what we were saying about our epiphany moments, right? Of like, for me and jujitsu, just come back, just come back. You could yes. have a horrible time, just come back, right? You know, or if we're skateboarding, like people might look like they know what they're doing, but when you look really closely, mm-hmm. it's not all, you know, cool tricks and Tony Hawk. People are
0: yeah. <laughs> over, you know, so. Yeah. Um you're you started talking about like the end users and talking to people Mm -hmm. in that and so you're in the product space so the product industry like they know about talking to end users testing piloting human-centered design design thinking Introduce people so you're you're an instructional designer you do actually write course curriculums and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. you're also a product manager you have a play your life is busy with lots of projects and yeah. um like what do you call them contracts so i guess yeah not contracts but projects that you're playing but help people understand the role of a product manager and the activities that you might do as part of your process
1: yeah so in an ideal world right a product manager somebody says like hey our users have this problem, or we want to solve a problem in this space, and then you kind of like interview people and do some research to be like, what's the actual problem, right? You know, there's that famous quote that it, like if I talked to people, they would want, they would have wanted. No, that's not a good quote to use because that's the reverse of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but um, a lot of what product managers do is they they really try to figure out what's the best thing to build for the problem that the users are having, right? Not that the company wants to solve, right? So like my company, I work in their professional development department. So they are building courses and I'm I'm helping them try to find the balance of just building something because it sounds great or, or like they feel like they have an audience for it and building something that there's actually an audience for it, right? Um, you know, because it's like, oh, we really love nurses and we want to build this course for nurses around this. And you're like, that's great. Like how many nurses need this course? And then you start doing the research and you're like, okay, out of like the 50,000 nurses, say there's 50,000 nurses in this institution, only 10 of them have this problem. (laughs) So, we're not going to build a course for this because only 10 people have this problem. But through this research and through talking to people and figuring out, we found that, you know, 45,000 people have this problem, right? So, can Mm. we build a course for this? So, there's a lot of like that of going back and forth of like, okay, we figured out what the problem is. Like, now how do we actually build it, right? Like, how do we actually build something that's going to help? And again, you have like, well, this is what we think we should build. And you're like, okay, we're going to take what you think and we're going to go back to users and say, react to this. Is this what you were thinking <laughs> would solve your problem? And then they come back and they're like, yes or no, right? And if they're like, no, you're like, okay, what's missing? Or what else would you want? And sometimes that's a back and forth process that goes on for quite some time. <laughs> but like, that's the ideal state of a of a product manager is like you're you're working with the company to solve a problem and get to talk to the users to make sure it's actually what they want and not just like what the company wants and it and then it fails. Mm. Nobody, nobody wants it.
2: Yeah.
0: Well. I know one of the challenges that you have faced is where the business thinks they need this thing as you say there's 10 nurses that are like yeah that'd be great but then you've got something sitting there where you know 45,000 people want it what kind of discussions or how are you getting that like someone's opinion to like the actual what the market needs how do you close the gap on that
1: yeah that's something I've I'm still figuring out.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: still figuring that out. It is hard because like, you'll have board members or like executives or people in higher positions, and they'll be like, we want this, right? Mm. And This will cost us like a million dollars to build. And now you're like, but only 10 people want it. And they're like, we'll figure out how to get more people to want it. And you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to, because there, there's not that many people who want it. Um and so what I've been doing has been like, okay, I'm just gonna keep giving you data like I like, mm. and I distinctly remember a conversation you and I had where you're like, you don't want to invalidate what they want, right? They clearly want something for a reason, and you kind of have to find out like what's their reason, what's their why, what's their, Stake in the game for asking this, right? Like, is it they want this because this person told them that they needed X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And that's how they thought they were going to solve that problem. In which case I can be like, well, your actual problem is this. So let me show you what I have here. This is what's <laughs> going to that problem, right? Or is it more of a personal reason? In which case it, it requires a little bit more of like a discussion of like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, this is kind of a bit of a personal project that you had further on about blah, blah, blah. But instead of spending all of this money, you know, can we do like a focus group? And then you get to see, you know, like at a much smaller scale, how much this isn't going to (laughs) work. Like, Mm -hmm. like, can we do it that way, right? Or, Or what can I do to help you recognize that what you want might have good intentions but like and you almost have to design something for the person asking for the thing and not for the users in a way that's not going to cost a lot of money which has been a very interesting space to be in. I've tried PowerPoints I've tried like mock-ups I've tried just conversations back of the napkin drawings you know like debate um, there's no there's no like right way or wrong way because it's all specific to the person that you're you're speaking to, right? Mm-hmm. um so I I don't have a good answer for that. still learning, but um, <laughs> I think the key thing is back to human- centered design like if I know the product's gonna fail through all of my research and data, then now my, person, my customer is the person asking for it. And so how do I design a solution for them? Whether it's basically to help them realize that the it's not the right decision, right? Like how mm-hmm. do I get it right for them? What's the message that they need? How are they going to get this information? How would they receive it? Um and you know, whether that's a presentation, whether they like numbers, whether I need to work with you know, a business analyst to get more financial forecasting, marketing to get more numbers and research, right? So it's just changing the focus from external customers to the internal customer.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I like how you are trying to find out how to, like, if they're money driven, you're going to the finance people and say, okay do the numbers on this scenario uh, and this scenario, and then you can present it and help influence a little bit. Yeah. Maybe still trying because someone yeah. really wants a course for the 10 people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the, Like the, it, we have a mission driven part of the company, right? That does a lot of good things for people that don't make money. And so it's Mm. like, well, you want this to make money, but it's not, but it doesn't mean you can't still do the course if we move it to the mission driven side of the company, but it's going to take longer because that has like a Mm. waiting list of of things that are requested to get done. Um, Some people don't like to hear that, but, you know, we just did budget meetings this week and you're like, if this is the revenue target you're signing up for do you see how this is not going to help you reach that target? You know, that's not always an easy conversation. I think that's something else I've learned. There's no way to get around having the not easy conversation. There's no way around that it. it's going to
0: do it. Interesting. Any tips for that? Nope. <laughs> Still learning, beginner day one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, every time I go in, I'm like sweating and I'm just like, oh, why do I feel like I'm about to tell you like you're like a doctor who's like, oh, I'm so sorry, the patient is passed. You know, like I'm Mm. I'm no, I get so nervous.
0: Yeah, I think that's something I'm just gonna reflect out loud because I feel like I need to do that next week with something I'm working on, and it's almost like. Sometimes I try to, like we spoke about, predict what the other person cares about, use that language back on them. But I almost wonder, is it about not preparing this time and just facilitating the conversation, asking the questions so they have the realization themselves that you already know this is not going to work and this is not going to work purely because of your things or the evidence that has come up. Because, yeah, then you need them to have the epiphany and realization and not make them wrong.
1: And mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's, that's a really important thing, like not make them wrong. Cause it's not that they were wrong per se, it's just, it's not what you want, right? It could still be a good course. It could still be a good idea, but for the situation you're presenting, I want this course to do blah, mm. not the right answer right? Um, so, you know, one plus, what is it? Two plus two equals four, but one plus three also equals four, but five minus one also equals four. You want the two plus two answer, but in this situation, it's the five minus one, right? Like, your mm. yours isn't wrong, it's just not right for the situation you presented. Yeah, yeah,
0: interesting.
1: Unless Okay, I want to go
0: back. What
1: was that? <laughs> unless
0: they're actually really wrong. <laughs> well, in my people. instance, I am thinking you are very wrong. <laughs> and I have documented evidence that you don't yeah. remember being in the recorded meeting, so that's my challenge. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah. I, I uh this is not Kim's coaching session. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Maybe I should take advantage. So Amanda, I would love to know. Um, <laughs> yeah
1: just uh empathize you know I I understand you have so much going on you're super busy you know things get hectic and but I want to remind you or like but I remember you being here it shows that you were here maybe you're confusing that meeting with a different one that you weren't able to attend maybe you know like Give them the benefit of the doubt first if you're gonna present hard facts like that like i maybe you just didn't remember because you got mixed up with another one because you're so busy or something's going on and i understand but yeah. like this is what we we talked about
0: yeah thank you yeah i'll report back yeah um great. <laughs> one of the things you were mentioning is around like um the okay so if with that course it's like someone saying do this course and you've gone but there's only 10 people saying they want it and then they're saying we'll find more than 10 what's your approach to go out and market and find or not I don't want to put solutions in your head but how do you find more people (laughs) yeah
1: I mean that's always the hard part right if one person's having the problem it's very rare that it's only actually going to be one person right so you and the world's so big that you know statistically, at least X amount of people are going to have the same problem. So it would sell somewhere to sell to someone, but is it worth me trying to find that right? Like in order, there, there's marketing conversion rates, there's numbers tied to ads and and things like that, and you can push it so far. But like that's when I work with the marketing team to say. In order to break even on this course, we need 100 people to sign up, right? There's only 10 people that I'm finding in a population. If out of 50,000, only 10 people are going to want this course, and I need 100, then how do I get this course in front of 5 million people to get the convert? That's the right math to get the conversion number I'm going to need to get to 100 people, right? And then they'll kind of work their magic and give me some numbers. And then I can say, okay, you really want this course? It's going to cost this much to make. To break even on just the build of the course, we would have to market to this many people. And now marketing is going to cost X, Y, and Z. And so to even like, we're never going to really kind of get ahead of it at a certain point. However, I hear this is really important to you. And, you know, like this. 10 people, right? This problem, if we kind of scope it out a little bit more, can we solve kind of this thing out here that might lead down to that smaller course? Can we can we build a funnel, right? Mm. And if we can do that and figure out how to get more of these people in, then we can build your course because you'll have the audience for it without having to spend the marketing on it. But then that's also playing the long game of being like, Now we have to build blank, 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 blank for so many years to get to the 1% that you really want. Is that the strategy we can go on? Um, And that's just another conversation. And and that ultimately if they say build it, they will come. You build it Mm -hmm. knowing that you gave them all the answers ahead of time and hoping that by some miraculous thing they're right and you're not because the one thing about product is like, when it goes right, it's everybody else's, you know, everybody else gets celebrated because they all, they did all the work. But when it goes wrong, you're the one who gets in trouble because you're the one who wrote the plan. So, um, Yeah. It, at some point, there's, there's no return, right? Like there, there's a very limited amount of, of like, you're not going to, Unless it's a mission driven thing, you're it's not gonna help your business, right? Like at some point. And so if they still want it, you could do it, but you would hope they're smart mm. enough to recognize, like if you're giving them enough data, like, hey, it's gonna take five million people just to sell 100 courses based on our marketing conversions, that really the effort you want to go into when we could sell this course over here mm. and we could get. 500 sales in 6 months because we already have the audience for it right like mm.
0: a lot of that's good. Yeah. What you what you were just describing there was really good problem solving like lots of questions considering different situations scenarios stakeholders outcomes are you able to kind of reflect on how you know what questions to ask
1: oh my gosh i listen just so many podcasts and just things of of like designers, um, UX designers, UX researchers, YouTube videos of people like asking questions because I don't know if you can ever, it's Mm. a skill, right? Like I I recognize you have this skill. You're very good at it. Like when I, I talk to you, you are very good at asking key questions, for for certain things. And this is a skill I'm I'm still trying to develop, right? Problem solving skills, I really like watching engineering things because I feel like engineers have a very logical way of solving problems. And if you can kind of learn some of those engineering like statistical mindsets, like it gets really easy at like figuring out basics of problems but the harder part is the relational part and the politics of it. I hate politics but the politics of like stakeholder relationships and all of that and like really good um like the David Letterman videos or like comedians and cars with coffee um mm. these types of podcasts there there's like the podcasts where like this where you're asked talking to people around specific topics or um, just anything where somebody's kind of like interviewing another person just to hear what, what do they ask? What kind of sparks people to go down a certain direction? Mm. Um, You know, that's kind of where I go to. And I just try to absorb that as much as I can, um, because I, I think it's, it's a skill and I don't know if it's, if you don't, feel it I don't know if if you're there's not like a list you can really do Mm. in my head outside of the five like who what when where why and just ask why 50 million times and then you know and then how how do we get that why right but yeah yeah like Simon Sinek, Ben A. Brown like they're really they have really good questions um I love watching comedians because I feel like that like, if you are as good of a storyteller as some of these really great comedians, then you can nail almost any presentation, right? Like, so highly recommend that, but talk shows, talk shows are great for questions.
0: What what are you observing from comedians in the storytelling? So
1: usually it's kind of like impact, like. Comedians will, different comedians will put different emphasis on different things to create an impact or to create an emotional response. And like, if you're trying to convince somebody, that's what you want. Also, comedians tend to have really good observational skills. And so, when you try to think of like, how did somebody get to that observation? Like, what were they doing to kind of get to that realization? It gets you into this thinking process where you're like, okay, how do I observe? Like you start to observe the world in a similar, in a similar way, or at least I sometimes do. And so mm-hmm. I think it's that observation too, that really helps um, like all of those active listening stuff. Like you, if you're not really listening to a person. You can't ask the right questions, but a lot of people don't really know how to listen. Um, like they listen to respond or they're not lis- like, yeah, they're listening to, respond in a way that like makes them feel good about themselves versus like listening to what the person is actually saying. And I'm guilty of this so many times, especially if I haven't had coffee. <laughs> like I'm just like I, I was just gonna I just want to what are you saying so I can answer you right versus like okay no 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 let me listen to what you're saying so I can make sure to ask the right question to get the information that I
2: need. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, I like it. It also gives you permission Uh, a
1: lot of shows.
2: (laughs) I like it. Um, what else have I got? What do you do to learn how to ask better questions? Um How did
0: you get so good at asking the question? I'm always just thinking, what is the intent here? What is the problem I'm trying to solve or they need from me? So if Mm -hmm. I think about a coaching situation, I can, I've said this to you before, I can never prepare for what you might bring or anyone might bring or when you're facilitating, but when a person comes to you for coaching the one outcome you know is that you're moving them from current state to a future desired state so Mm -hmm. I just think about what question now might help that person move themselves forward so I'm listening for I'm actually just trying to process this as we speak so I'm listening for your from your story is there a limiting belief there? Is there a challenge? Is there a pain point? So I'm listening for that. And then I'm like, okay, well, what is your own solution for that specific thing that you've actually brought up? I think I'm just creating the space, especially in a coaching space for you to process your own stuff. Um, so there's that side of it. I think that frame of mind when I'm in a when I'm in an instructional design role and someone is giving me lots of um, information, like you were talking about, it's like do do I need to know the the marketing and how many courses and I think yeah the break even and how many do we have to sell what's the price point? Sometimes you can just go into overload with all these questions because you're like what is the answer what if what and whatever it is like what if what if and so then instead of getting overwhelmed I'm like what's the immediate problem I'm trying to solve right now and then I kind of flick between okay is it just the allow is this person needing to vent or are they actually looking for a solution right now and I think that is the listening thing they talk about that in relationships as well like Human relationships, in terms of like, does this person want to express or do they want a solution? So I'm trying to gauge what mode am I supposed to be in, and then, therefore, what question am I asking?
2: Mm.
0: Um, but it, well, that's why this is called Learning with Belvista Studios as well, is that I am in a place of curiosity. So I'm yeah. continuously just existing in a place of curiosity, and sometimes I have a mission um and sometimes that mission is in a coaching session where my mission is to serve the person to move them forward um another example is so i'm not really big on small talk and it happened the other day in my where how i live my life i meet a lot of people that want to ask the same question every time they meet and you will they're just come along like little ants and then they ask that question you can see them coming and they're going to ask you and i don't want to answer that question for every because it's meaningless i'm about quality Mm -hmm. interactions so then i'm thinking uh okay i'm going to have an interaction with this person how can it add value to my life my immediate Mm -hmm. next thing is how can they how can and I create an experience that makes them have a more positive impact Mm. on the world and go out there so they're my two missions when I one for me I just want to get them to a state of gratitude so I had a conversation yesterday with someone random just said oh what are you doing and I was like I don't know oh no that how's your day going that was what it was how's your day going I was like you don't really care um we just happen to be standing here all awkwardly together and you want to fill the silence so then I just turned around and I'll say and I don't want to tell you how my day is going because I'm the kind of right now I'm going very deep with the answer I do like that Mm. kind of stuff so I'm going well right now I don't have the time for you to add value to my life how can I make you be a better human and impact the world that's my second mission so then I just say what's an awesome thing that you're grateful for today Or what's something that's excited you today so that I can have them a little bit perked up and happy. And then we leave our little interactions and hopefully they smile at the next person. So I'm very like intentional. So it's always like, what's the problem I'm trying to solve right now Yeah. is basically my key thing. And then that's from that place of curiosity is how I get the questions that come out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Can I summarize that back? I feel like I'm
1: So, so what I heard you say was there there's two things that really drive you. One and your two personal missions, right? And one is if you're in a coaching session, how can you bring that person to like their future state, their desired state, or leave that situation feeling some sort of gratitude or some uplifted emotion? I do have one really random question. And this is just Mm. something that I think about, right? It's like a lot of what we've talked about in terms of learning, in terms of asking questions and stuff, is is the basis of it is relationship building or having a relationship with somebody else or being comfortable in a state of vulnerability with another person. And with the rise of social media, with the pandemic and all of this that creates social distancing and people having less of that interaction i kind of wonder two things one if coaching is on the rise kind of because of that right like you know personal coaching is really big you know get a coach for this get a coach for that get a coach for this right like in um i think it started first with fitness and then it became really big with life coaching and then it became big with career coaching and like now there's like i'm i'm wondering you know with the pandemic and how a lot of people had to pivot and do things if now instead of like going to an institution coaching is kind of like the the filler in between
2: Mm.
0: is it maybe maybe it's more accessible maybe it's a cheaper option maybe people see it as a a quicker option an immediate option, like quicker to get the results, immediate access to the
2: mm-hmm.
0: the improvement. Um how do you make sure you have a good coach? I think like you said it well at the beginning on how you kind of pick your people is you've kind of you've got your way into Stop their them. world, you know, stalk them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stalk them felt that they were your tribe and it was something i wrote down actually when i was thinking about chatting to you is around finding people that speak your language and finding mm-hmm. your tribe and i remember you telling me a story around uh the marketing manager you feel like you've expressed some of the story today where you're like this doesn't make sense people like oh. i'm literally giving you the data you're trying to convince people and it's just not making sense and then this new person came on the marketing person and they're like totally on your side like how are we even having these conversations the data doesn't make sense and then you finally were like somebody speaks my language and I just think the power of that they are there and that's where people go I always describe it as like are you holding hands with someone and going with them or are you dragging that person along or are you being pulled by a person so being pulled by a person for me is someone that inspires me they are leveling me up and I'm like, oh, my God. But quickly when I'm exposed to that, I'm then like shit, jump, leap to be with them and hold hands with them. Um, but then for me, I'm very quick. If I feel like I'm pulling the person along, we're not aligned. My style no. doesn't work with them because I can crack the whip, right? I cut through the bullshit. I want results. I'm action focused because that's who I'm focused on. And then I guess the people that I work with or that are people that are attracted to me, because I never try to convince people to choose us. It's because, because it's not going to work. You've got to self-select. So like you, you fall into our ecosystem, you have a selection and you go, they resonate. They're my tribe. That's my working style. That's the kind of personality that's going to get me what I want for myself. And then when we do come together, like we, we, it's so beautiful to work with you. Mm-hmm. And I say that is like, it's so amazing because you put it there, you just, I just have to go, here's a little 1% thing. And you're like, I've now made it the other 99 myself. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, how cool is that? And you take it beyond and you apply it to the three different jobs that mm-hmm. you're doing or the projects or the different contexts, you know? And And if I was in the same position, that's how I would work as well, so it's it's mm-hmm. that fit, I guess, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and I, I I like what you said, but like it is it's when you're with somebody who speaks your language, I feel like it's a lot easier to action on things that they tell you, right? Because I'm like, oh, I get it.
0: <laughs> I get it. I get what you're
1: saying. It, it, yeah.
0: yeah, the amount of times like, yeah, when I'm working with you and you will cut me off and you say, "I get it, Kim, next. Because you've, yep. you've connected the dots, got it there. I've just kind of, I don't know, revealed a or, little bit. Like or I get and you're like, oh,
1: yeah.
2: i <gasps> like, oh,
0: oh, oh, like this, like this. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that. It's
1: like, yeah. yeah. And that,
0: so that excitement
1: cool. is fun.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's the, oh, yeah. I was just going to say oh, no, before no. you go in, it's the ability to cut, chew through the fat quickly. So it's not right. Like with a therapist, a psychologist, if it's not right on the first thing don't go back go find someone else like there are your tribe there and when you find them you're just lighting fires to get it like fireworks and it's magic and you you excel when leaps and bounds and that's the way those kinds of coaching or beginner relationships should be yeah yeah I it's well I had a completely unrelated thought
1: but I really like what you said about if it doesn't work don't go back right there's so much about like oh, if first you don't succeed, try, try again. And, and yes, but in relationship wise, like for a coach or or a therapist, like, you know, usually within the first two or three meetings with that person, like the same, like dating, usually you can tell within the first three meetings Mm. or so, whether or not like they're a fit. Right. And if they aren't, you're paying them. There's no harm in like saying, you know what, this doesn't work for me and moving on. There's a lot of people I talk to who will hire the first person and then just stay with them, even if it's not adding value. And like, that's not going to help you in any way, shape or form, right? Like that's like, it's not a good, but they're so scared of like telling that person it's not a fit. And it's just like, it's not a fit.
0: No, it's okay. And you don't even have to excuse yourself. I don't think like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to just leave, you are paying for a service. Like, yeah, yeah, you're paying for a service. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. There's another that, thought.
1: Yeah, and again, going back to the pandemic, there's so many people, there's so many kids who really lost, in my opinion, a very important developmental stage of relationship building and mm. human empathy, and like learning how to talk to people that you get when you're younger in school and social situations, and like going to these places. Like when you're a kid, that's really the chance to make all of these mistakes and kind of learn that it's okay. Mm. And I'm very curious to see how businesses and kind of like coaching and relationships and all that stuff evolve. Well, as that generation starts to grow up. Because I'm I'm very curious to see if they kind of have lost a lot of that and it's gonna be a lot harder. Or mm. if they're almost gonna overcorrect or like how that's gonna, you know, I'm very curious around that. Mm. I don't know.
0: I don't think I don't think we lose skills that we really need as humans. Mm -hmm. And when we need that skill, we'll find a way to make it a part of our toolbox. So if you talk, if you're alluding to, um, I don't know, the social skills of a child right now who may not have been exposed to talking to people or adults. What is that going to mean when they go into a i don't know their first job where they have to talk to adults and they've never done that before they'll step up people make it work so for me i don't yeah i don't even worry about kind of stuff like that because i i don't know it doesn't i just think we will step up we make it work always because our basic needs are around safety and security and then we move on so if we literally had no money or had no food and it was at that point as an adult we will ask for help please can have you got a spare five bucks can mm-hmm. you please buy me a pizza in there you know to get by so i feel like we mm-hmm. always make it work and if it's not having it it's not a necessary thing for us right now the motivation mm-hmm. doesn't exist we don't see a benefit we don't see the what's in it for us so therefore we put a pause on it you know yeah i, but, I yeah. like
1: i like your statement of uh we won't lose the skills that are really important to us it's like we'll find a way to make it work right so for me learning and education was really important to me mm. i found a way to make it work Even though I wasn't teaching, I found a different way. So I think that's like a really good bring bring it it all
2: around.
0: Well, now I'm like I have a question that's going to keep this conversation going. Keep keep it going. Keep it going. Okay. Okay. Because on that, what you've brought up around like the skill, like are they lacking? Blah blah blah. Um, is the is there any, I want to validate my thinking now, I'm trying to get some evidence, is, is there anything in your life that you need right now as a skill, but don't have, Mm. oh,
1: need, like need, 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 like need, 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 not a want, (laughs) yeah, that's a really hard, a skill that I need, I I don't know if there's a skill that I need, right? Mm. I think once I learned how, like, if if I need something, I know I can learn it, Mm. right? Once I figured that out, and I knew I could do it, right? Like, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of things just to prove I could do them, right? Like, ah, interesting. I, I ran a marathon just to prove I could do it. I did a triathlon just to prove I could do it. I've done, like, a lot of, I joined a sorority in college just to prove I could do it. Like, I've done a lot to prove to myself that if I need to, I I can rely, like, I can trust myself. Mm. I can rely, on my, I can do it, right? Move to a different country by myself just to prove I could do it, right? Once I learned that, there isn't really a skill that I need, right? Because I know I could do it. But I think if I didn't have that, and I guess it goes back to like, I didn't have a trust in my own abilities mm. to a certain point, then there might be a lot of things that I, skills that I feel that I need, right? There's things yeah. I would, I, I'd like to improve, but I'd want to improve, you know, I'm trying to improve. Um, and there's skills that I, I would like to improve that I'm actively not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're yeah. still on the shelf over there. But yeah, that, that one lesson of like, you can trust yourself to do what you need to, to learn what you need to when you mm-hmm. need it, because you've done
0: it X, Y, and Z, and here's the data to show you, right? Okay, I, I after that that's the thing you've found your safety net so when it does become a moment of need you are fully trusting yourself that you will be able to learn it to perform or get the result
2: when it matters Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool
1: yeah that's a, it was, for me, it was a very physical process.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, moved, getting, like, I ran I, I, yeah. Yeah. the
1: Yeah. Did you just did a tournament, you know, like there's what I had. I don't know why it had to be beaten into me that yeah, you can trust I'm just yourself. Like,
0: listen to a podcast. I'm like, oh, that sounds dodgy. I I listened oh, to your story shit. and I've learned, and I'm like, yeah, we'll never be doing martial arts because I've learned through you. <laughs> I,
1: I, I recommend some type of marathon or triathlon. Like- I, I think. I, I I recommend a Why? physical There's activity, no need.
0: Though. There's no need. <laughs> you need to- But even the-
1: even like surfing, right? Like that's a very physical activity. And it's if you're not, <laughs> if, it's like in, in surfing though, if you go under at the wrong moment and you're stuck under a wave and like that undercurrent and you, you're not sure, like you can't figure out which way is up and you don't know how to regulate your breathing or hold yourself, like that's really scary. But if you don't go back to it, if you don't recognize that, oh, you can figure that out, right, Mm -hmm. like, I think there's something about the physical, about, like, working through the physical, for me, that really helps with the mental, like,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: otherwise, it just kind of gets stuck in my head, but if I can overcome it physically, or, like, even with, like, meditation, or, like, Wim Hof, when you're doing, um, there's a like a hyperventilation type of breathing technique that teaches you how to hold your breath and like how to work Mm. with the sensations in your body like that to me really learning my body really helps me learn how to trust myself I guess
0: it is really cool because I think the whole conversation is around being the beginner is scary Mm. but when you can trust yourself And give yourself a little bit of evidence that you're gonna be okay and that you have some sort of moment where you reflect on what's my safety net so that I can trust myself if this escalates to be a bigger thing or yeah, something like that, you're all good. And you do it, and I think that's knowing yourself, which is what we're talking about, is you do it by put your you put yourself in a physical thing. I'm actually more of a visualization style. Where like, yeah, how's a bungee jump? Mm, yeah, it seems scary. I've, I've done that. Things snap. Okay, I've got my safety net not doing that. Whereas you're like, yeah, I'll give it a go. And if I'm scared halfway down, probably decide not to do it a second time. I've but, done, yeah. done skydiving. I've done a bungee. I've done like, <laughs> yeah, there's just something about it. Yeah. So when it's, when it's important to us, the moments that matter, we will step up we can make it work we always will and that's why i think the permission for everyone here to be the beginner is if you're not willing to do it and not be the beginner and be vulnerable it's probably not an important thing for yourself to be exposed to right now you don't Mm. want to be learning that it's not a priority for you right now but just trust that when it fucking is a priority you will be brilliant and you'll make it happen and you'll make it happen to the minimal viable effort that it needs to be I guess yeah and it's okay
1: to flirt with it for a while Ooh. watch those YouTube videos
0: flirt yeah with
1: it you know yeah. like at a certain point you'll you'll reach you'll either decide okay this is actually something I want to do or learn or no like you said it's not important but don't don't put pressure on yourself unduly to do it immediately if like mm. there actually isn't that need you, you know yeah yeah
0: amanda thank you for this chat it was thank good yeah. good processing time i yeah. feel <laughs> um if people want to connect with amanda check the link in the description you can check her out online um you are sharing what you learn and you're good energy to be around as well so it's a good connection to have but i'm very grateful for you spend the time with us allow us to be curious to learn from you and to learn to be a beginner and be okay with that and that I've seen the results that you've got for yourself by exposing yourself in that way so it's very inspiring and I encourage people to embrace that for themselves as well
1: yeah and and just so if you want to learn human-centered design, if you want to be around a great person, if you just want somebody to hold you accountable or make you have good realizations that you didn't even mm-hmm. realize you could have, highly recommend uh, hooking up with Kim. And mm-hmm. um, I went through her human-centered design course, and it was really like amazingly helpful, even in my non-instructional design things. And so like you might be a project manager or product manager, or you might think it doesn't apply to you, but I promise you it does (laughs) probably more than you think. So I I do, I highly recommend it.
0: Thank you. It's a life skill. It really is. is. Human-centered design. Thank you for that love. I really, really appreciate it. That was unsolicited, not paid for.
1: (laughs) She knows I love her. Every uh,
0: time. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. All right, folks, cheerio until next time. What's up, awesome human? Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you wanna take your skills to the next level or you wanna make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers and what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz. Could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating the problems you will want to solve but in there as well aren't we cute that's us um but we've got the coaching courses freebies give us gratitude and also we've got some templates and basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff. Share it with other people, because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.